This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? <laughs> Expecto Patronum! One thousand years ago, there lived a man of honor and a creature of legend. He's the greatest dragon slayer there is. I personally have seen him slay almost two dragons. I haven't had this sort of challenge in some time. Not likely to again. They were two sworn enemies who formed an extraordinary alliance. Forces of evil threaten the land. In your kingdom, mine, and there are worse fates than death. Brother! They found there is no honor. Men like you give people courage and hope. Without risk. I wanted a life! And no friendship. For I am to die, you must destroy me. Without sacrifice. I go to save the dragon. Who will go with me? BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. It is our dragon-heavy week, I'm just going to call it. And so ahead of tomorrow's review of the first episode of House of the Dragon, we are throwing back to 1996, Sean Connery and Dragonheart. Why not? Why not? Because if we wanted the exact opposite of House of the Dragon... Dragonheart is probably it. Um, I say that with the full awareness that actually, um, firstly, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit when one person amongst us wanted to throw back to Dragonheart. <laughs> but I'm also kind of glad that we did because I'd forgotten what a cheeseball adventure this film was. Um, and it's been ages since I just watched something that I was just like, what is this that I'm watching? But also it's kind of fun and silly. Um, I'm glad that we rewatched it. So there are like um, there are two ways that I see this movie. Um, as a kid, I didn't like it at all. Like I hated this movie um, because I wanted like fierce dragons. I wanted like rugged dragons, and looking forward to it based on the poster and and the kind of ominous trailer. I thought we were going to get like really really cool dragons, and then we ended up with a dragon that sounds like Sean Connery, which is not hey, cool. In, that in is any... so cool! How dare you? <laughs> Drake was awesome. It wasn't cool for like what seven, eight, eight or nine year old me. <laughs> Um, but then as like an adult, um, I like it ironically and I can appreciate the amount of work that, that went into it, the amount of uh, CGI and VFX that was cutting edge for its time. So yeah, I, I'm super happy that a Dragon Hut exists. But when I first saw this movie, I did not like this movie at all. So, okay, I'm the Dragonheart stan here. I mean, I'm just going to be upfront and say it. I watched it when I was a kid. And so because of that, my attachment to it was always very strong. Um, it's one of those very bad videotape movies, you know, the kind mm -hmm. that you, you rent and then you end up watching it a few times before you return it for no reason, not sure why. And so I have a strong attachment to it, all of which to say I had overly fond memories. So I went in with my expectations probably a little bit too heightened, uh, to be entirely frank. Um, but just so we're all on the same page here. Dragonheart. 1996, fantasy action adventure. The director, Rob Cohen, written by Charles Edward Pogue. Um, and basically, the story is kind of simple. A dragon 
uh, ends up giving half his heart to a king who turns out to be a, a total tyrant and maniac. That king was in turn semi-raised or trained by a knight of the quote-unquote old code, the Arthurian old code, who tried to raise him in ways of honour um, but failed. And so like 12 years after those events, you've got this errant knight who's now become very badly burnt and mulleted and is running around the countryside <laughs> trying to avenge this this wrong that he thinks has been done to him because he thinks a dragon corrupted his king when in fact it was the other way around. So that's basically it. And um, the, the rest of the story is actually exactly as basic as you would think based on that description. It's kind of like half Robin Hood, half every other night story that you've seen. Um, and... That's it. I mean, it's very enjoyable still, I have to say, especially if you watch it through the eyes of a kid, I think. I found it very enjoyable. Um, and I wasn't watching it through the eyes of a kid. I think I was watching it ironically and I found it enjoyable as well. Um, we have to say, we have to say that Tennis Quaid plays the knight. And I don't know why. With a wavering like a, accent. Yes, I know. And with a bad wig. In fact, there's so many bad wigs in this movie. <sighs> like you can play a game trying to like spot the real hair. Um, I think actually the biggest challenge with this movie is a tonal one, right? Because um, is it trying to be sort of really ridiculous and funny? Because there's some scenes where it actually is funny. Like when they try to like pull tricks on the villagers or when they're like joking or or they're like some great slapstick moments between dragon and knight um which i loved and then they're like these sort of really intense scenes or emotional scenes and it feels like you're watching two or three very different movies just cobbled together and and for me i think more than the fact that um this is cheesy it was that that prevented me from thinking this could have become a sort of cult classic, even if it wasn't really well-received when it came out. So I don't know if, if that thing about it being two or three movies just cobbled together, if that was obvious when the movie first came out. Because knowing what we know now, like with Wikipedia and, and social media and all kinds of like film commentary stuff, um, the, the infamous trouble production behind this thing, right? You can see the seams now. You can see the patchwork. You can see that it was cut down. Um, this movie was supposed to be a completely different thing. It was greenlit in like 1989 um, or supposed to come out in, in like 1990 or 91. And then it was based on the Jurassic Park blueprint, they actually used the T-Rex from Jurassic Park to mold uh, Draco. Which you can totally to, see. Mm -hmm. which, which you can completely see, the effects and stuff. But I don't know, like sometimes whenever I see this movie, right, I, I, I wonder about the other movie that was never made because it was supposed to be more serious and it was supposed to be more Lord of the Rings than Chronicles of Narnia. And what would have happened and, and what kind of ripple effect it would have had on pop culture if we had that other serious Dragonheart come out. Um, I don't know, but but I guess like in in hindsight or in retrospect, I watching it this time around, I could clearly see like there are some very very poignant moments, and the movie is going for something much deeper. And then I guess the studio just when it has to be family friendly, so there's a lot of slapstick comedy and jokes, and Dennis Quaid doing things that we've never seen him do, and we've never seen him do since. Uh, just like being flying through bushes and jungles and forests with and stuff that literal like duck, 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 in the yeah, forest yeah, yeah, yeah. like and what all is the that? weird sound effects yeah. like doing or whatever <laughs> um, but yeah I, I i don't know it's it's fun to see it, it's uh, it's something fun to think about i guess just wondering what the other dragon heart would have been 
Sean Connery as Draco the Dragon says, yikes. So, you know, that, that in and of itself lets you know everything that you need to know about the tone. And I, I think that actually the tonal shifts, we've seen movies do it well, right? We've seen movies manage to, to mix comedy and um, poignant scenes and, and we've seen how it can be done. I think the problem here is that the transition is always incredibly rough. So you're going from one scene where there's like a heart-to-heart or an emotional realisation or some sort of um, question of what it means to be the last of your kind because ultimately Bowen, uh, as played by Dennis Quaid and, and Draco, as voiced by Sean Connery, are both the last of their kind. And there's actually quite a lot to mind there because in some ways Draco is the last of his kind because of Bowen. And yet that is something that's never brought up beyond snide little, you eat knights, eh? You you hunt dragons, eh? And I think that the the cutting from serious discussions or you can feel them like trembling at the precipice of, of doing something to going to like theatrical play acting of, of dying or um, to kind of Sean Connery serenading a woman by a waterfall like like it's all just very sudden and it doesn't give you a lot of time to adjust which again when I watched it as a kid was great for my attention span like it really worked and and it worked for me as a family-friendly film as an adult who like I said had a misplaced belief in this film I think it, it it's a different experience we usually save this for the final part of the review, but I, I think I want to bring it up now. Um, I rarely say that I really, really want a remake um, or a redo. I would love to see a remake of Dragonheart. Um, just take the storyline, the concept, and see whether we can come up with a TV show or a movie. Um, and not, I, I know there have been subsequent Dragonheart films. Prequels. But, yeah, prequels. Um, but i just like to see the slate just kind of rubbed clean and re- redone. I feel like it could be really cool. I, I'm afraid if they do that, right, then it's going to end up more uh, Reign of Fire than anything else. And it might be no fun at all. You know what I mean? They'll make mm. it so dark that it's not Dragonheart anymore. Um, so I don't know. But but I've also, I've never seen the sequels or the prequels. I've never seen another Dragonheart movie. I don't want to. Um, so I don't know what those things are like. I Some of them might be good. Who knows? I have a follow-up that we'll come back for. So we're talking today about Dragonheart, uh, which you might remember or might not. It wasn't. It was actually quite a big hit um, at the time. But yeah, it came out in 1996, uh, starring Dennis Quaid, uh, Sean Connery voicing a dragon, David Thewlis. Uh, we'll come back to all that. Let us know if you've seen Dragonheart, um, if you've seen it recently, for that matter. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bruce Freddie Morrissey, BFM 89.9. A knight is sworn to valor. A knight is sworn to valor. His heart knows only virtue. His heart knows only virtue. His blade defends the helpless. His blade defends the helpless. His might upholds the weak. His might upholds the weak. His word speaks only truth. His word speaks only truth. His wrath undoes the wicked. His wrath undoes the wicked. 
BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin and together we're throwing it back to 1996 and John Gilgood in Dragonheart, in case you're wondering who that voice was. Um, this movie, alongside Sean Connery, has Pete Postlethwaite, whom we haven't spoken about, Julie Christie and yeah, the voice of John Gilgood as Arthur. So, you know, it's a hodgepodge, guys. It's a lot. It's actually a really good cast, though. You Did you mention Jason Isaacs? No, who, I did not, who I did not I recognize for like half the film. He showed up and I was like, wait, I know that face. I know that face. And then suddenly I was like, oh my God, it's Jason Isaacs. Um, it's a bunch of Harry Potter alumni, actually. It is. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. you know, to be fair, I will say that most of them or all of them are actually very good. David Thewlis is so good as the like tyrannical, slightly mad king. So David, creepy and gross looking. so deranged. So deranged. Um, really knows the like OTT pitch that he's going for. Same as Jason Isaacs. Um, this is actually why I wish that that this film could have been better because I feel like it could have been something really cool. Uh, that's it though. Despite the yikesing and whatever, every time... Sean Connery's voice came out of that dragon. I felt chills. I loved it. So I've never liked Dennis Quaid, um, and I think that's <laughs> my biggest. That is my biggest issue with this uh, with this movie. I've never liked seeing him pop up in other movies. I don't know what it is. It's just like I'm not a fan of the guy, um, and I try to avoid movies that he's in. Obviously, and I think I think it might have stemmed from Dragonheart. Thinking about it, I completely forgot. That I was I, just going to say, if you liked him and you watched this, you probably wouldn't like him. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I didn't, I, obviously I didn't know who he was back then when I was a kid, but I think it's ever since this movie and ever since seeing him in this movie, I've not liked him in anything else. So I can't say he performed well or that he, you know, he acted his heart out. But it's like you said, right? Like everyone, I don't know if anyone knew the kind of movie that they were in. I think they thought they were in a Jurassic Park level thing or big budget CGI fest or giant blockbuster and just gave it their all because you can see that everyone's really trying like no one no one has any idea that there's a goofy dragon flying around or this movie is gonna end up being the way it is like everyone's really really trying in this in this film so um Okay, I want to talk about the performances in a second, but I wanted to also go back to that point earlier about a remake and what that could look like. Because um, we're going to talk tomorrow about House of the Dragon, right? And about the dragons that we are now capable of seeing. And the thing is, Draco is a very specific type of dragon. So on the one hand, I remember watching it in 1996 or 7 or whenever it was that I did watch it and thinking that's a really cool looking dragon. You watch it now, you see the T-Rex DNA, but... There's also a lot about it that is very cool for its time. However, the dragon is also kind of goofy and friendly, right? There's like a puppyish quality to it. You can see him smile. When he smiles, he doesn't look menacing. Whereas I think if a Game of Thrones dragon smiled, it really would be the last thing you saw. <laughs> like, like that's, that's pretty much it. There is no way on earth that you are making that dragon anything less than menacing. Hence that rain of fire comment, right? And so I guess my question is, Firstly, let's talk a little bit about how Draco actually looks, aside from how he sounds, because, you know, Sean Connery is Sean Connery. It's very hard to critique a Sean Connery voice. But how do we feel about how he looks and how that fits into the movie? Because I think he's kind of part of the problem. Because if you want to have like a very awe-inspiring and friendly dragon at the same time, Draco is what you end up with. But that only works in the context of Dragonheart's mix of tones. 
I'm actually okay with Draco. Like Draco's the least of my issues with this film. Um, and I quite like maybe because I was the never-ending story kid, right? I'm fine with a Draco being fairly similar to Falcor in that. Yes, he can be menacing and yes, he can be scary, but ultimately he's good. And the story positions him as being good and kind. You know I have Falcor problems. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so actually when I say I want a remake, I don't think I want a Game of Thrones style Dragonheart remake. I want a Dragonheart remake that is more assured of what it is. Um, I love the way Draco looks, incidentally. Um, in some parts, the CGI doesn't hold up very well but then there are other parts where actually it really is quite beautiful um and and for that time i can imagine i can't remember but i can imagine being quite blown away at that age i want to say that a lot of scenes the cgi doesn't look okay like this movie this movie aged like milk uh, in terms of the, the VFX, like you can, it's so janky, like some of it. And you know that they were going for like, you know, like like really big scenes for the time, right? Uh, but then there are some other scenes, like um, there is this this one long sequence where they are in some kind of a, a, a field or something and they're just talking to each other. Um, and, and Draco's sort of uh, reaction to Dennis Quaid and Dennis Quaid's reaction to, to Draco mm. is so seamless that you you're kind of surprised you you look at it and you go like this was 1996 and they managed to to merge like cgi and and photorealism or whatever and and, and live action footage right which was really really nice i also like the way he looks um i think if they translated that completely like accurately into a, a new remake it would look very very nice but if they changed it up then it's like what you said like you know it's going to lose the it's going to lose the heart of Dragonheart if he doesn't look, um, you know, sort of charming and friendly like he does in the old movie. Yeah, to be clear, I don't have an issue with it. I actually think that it's just part and parcel of the Dragonheartness of it all, that you have a dragon who, like, when he wants you to stop talking, holds up a finger. Like, mm-hmm. like that actually happens at one point. Hold on. And I'm thinking, oh, OK. Um, Draco spent a lot of time among humans. So let's talk a bit more about the performance then. Firstly, Dennis Quaid is such a niche problem to have. I've never heard of somebody who like actively <laughs> dislikes or avoids Dennis Quaid. Um, that's one thing. I don't think Dennis Quaid, for me personally, is the strongest of the performers, partly to do with the, what accent is this? Like occasionally he veers kind of Irish, the rest of the time he's just American. Um, David Thewlis's high drama, I really enjoyed. Um, Pete Postlethwaite rhyming his way through the whole thing, I oh, also found just incredibly charming. And yeah, Jason Isaacs, I mean... He doesn't even look or sound the same as he does now. It's quite remarkable. Because he was on his way. He's henchman. Now we know him <laughs> as villain. So, you know, it's it's a distinct graduating of positions. No, but um, so the problem with Dennis Quaid, of course, is what happens when you cast an American actor who can't do British accents, right? Kevin Costner in Robin Hood, Keanu Reeves in Dracula. Like, they're fine on their own, but they can't... One, they can't do the accent. Two, then you surround them by actual British actors who are much better than them. Um, yeah, and then it all falls apart. And doing regional accents, uh, yes. mind you, the British actors. So it, it's, mm-hmm. it gets even weirder. This is what I mean when I say that I, I wonder about the the other Dragonheart that was never made because it was supposed to be Pierce Brosnan, right? At one point, it was supposed Ooh, to be I Pierce Brosnan. I didn't know that. Yeah, hmm. and it would have been, it would have been cool, I it think, been if bonds. he was in that role. They, they would have been oh, bonds. That would have been amazing. Oh, <laughs> They both would have been bonds. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of uh, cool to think about. But I, I have a very serious question, though, and I'm not asking as a joke at all. Um, is Dragonheart the most important 
dragon movie ever made. Um, because I know it doesn't look like much now. It hasn't aged well. Um, but after talking about all its effects and all the stuff that it did, right, I really think that in a lot of ways, um, it is the most essential mainstream dragon movie that put dragons out there in like mainstream Hollywood. And we wouldn't have like a Reign of Fire or Game of Thrones or any of the mainstream dragons if Dragonheart wasn't made back then. I have an equally serious answer. And it is that um, I think that it did a lot to exemplify dragons in terms of their mythology as well as in terms of the way that they might live among people, right? Because uh, here you have a dragon who knows how to speak to people, uh, but who is also prone to the the occasional sheep snatching. Um, But there is... Mm -hmm the linking of the dragon to to the old ways, to an old code, to Arthurian legends. And I really like that. And um, so I didn't think, I, I don't think I answered this earlier, but actually what I would like um, in terms of an update of Dragonheart is maybe a reimagining of the dragon story, but with Chinese dragons rather than English or Welsh dragons, because that's actually what we get a lot of now, right? Even the dragons that we're going to talk about tomorrow definitely have their basis in the more Draco type of dragon as opposed to Chinese mythological dragons who are a totally different thing and occupy a completely different space. But I'd like to see that same sort of um, simultaneous, almost like a god living alongside people kind of treatment, um, but applied to non-English dragons. Firstly, I would love to see that. Um, But to answer your question, Arvind, um, actually, the more I think about it, there are surprisingly few dragon films that actually give the dragon space to be something other than a monster. I mean, you have things like How to Train a Dragon, and then of course there's Smaug, who is a villain, but also has a personality. But most films, dragons are the villains or the beast to be defeated. Dragonheart is probably one of the few that kind of plays around with that trope. And um, maybe the reason, even as an adult, I find it so charming is because I love that trope. I love dragons with personalities and stories and an actual brain and not like mindless monsters. Um, and so maybe, yes, in the genre, it's actually quite defining. I mean, we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones dragons tomorrow. Um, In a way, those dragons are not bad either. That's the whole thing about Game of Thrones, right? We had a lot of attachment um, to Daenerys' three dragons. And they were more more dog-like than sort of like vicious beasts going to destroy everything. So, yeah. Well, they were like dogs who were also nuclear weapons. So it's, it's yeah. a bit of everything. But yeah, we are talking today about Dragonheart from 1996. It was directed by Rob Cohen. Uh, it starred Dennis Quaid, David Thewlis, Sean Connery. Uh, let us know if you've watched it, if you have fond memories of it. WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.